0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Lord, um, guide and direct this time, Lord. Uh, uh, I do confess um, coming to, to your word, this, this, this part of your word in particular, um, just stand and wonder, awe, and praise. Uh, somehow order is, Lord, and, uh, and let something... Let what you are directing come forth and uh, and show itself. We humbly ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, we may have to close the door. Uh, and we can open it in a little bit if it gets too warm. We'll see what happens. Um, so, good morning. Hello. Um, we are in the second of, I think this is going to be a six-part series, and it may end up being like pause in January and we pick it up during Lent or something else like that. Just kind of see what kind of traction we get going through. The Book of Romans, um, talking to Richard, my brother-in-law, yesterday. um, Not a verse-by-verse exposition of Romans. Um, That would take three years, profitable three years, um, but it would take a long time, uh, which is why I don't really know what I'm about to say, uh, because just trying to take larger chunks of Scripture larger passages and portions of the book of Romans and uh, and be true to the text but see what effect the word is having on us um, as it washes over us as it as it comes to us like the room last week in a prediction um, as the room will become warm today we we realize almost in arrears looking backwards as it were we're gonna talk about time today think about timelines uh, hey, the room just got warm. I'm not sure when exactly that happened, but it did. Something like that. When you suffer uh, a temperature change, um, it's a good way to put it. Um, as in uh, the King James's way, and uh, as, as this, when Jesus says, "Suffer the little children to come to me." What a funny phrase to suffer the little children. What does that mean? To suffer. Uh, is to be in the passive tense, which is, I know we're going to kind of, well, it's fun to do this. Um, During Lent, when we hear about the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, we hear about his suffering. And those words are almost uh, interchangeable. The passion of our Lord, the suffering of our Lord. uh, That that word there um, carries the dual connotation of uh, receiving and not having power, not having control. It's in the position of reception. So to suffer something is to receive it, to surrender, or to call a thing what it is. You don't actually surrender the control and the power because you never had it. Um, to, uh, to, to receive the little children, to suffer the little children, to, um, uh, to as it were, in arrears, recognize, hey, the kids are all around me now. Um, the, the room just got warm. Uh, or to suffer the love of God... Um, Uh, As someone once said, the Christian life is the receptive life, Um, is to receive the love of God in Christ uh, in a way that we have nothing to do with. It simply comes to us. And at some point, you may shake your head and say, wait a minute, what just happened? The room got warm, and I have been loved by God in Christ, known and demonstrated to me through his cross, his death for me. Uh, And when you see that, It can change you. That's the power of love. You know, every 80s song comes out in Romans. I mean, it just does. Um, uh, That's the power of love when you realize it in arrears because the power of salvation is the gospel. We're going to read that again. Um, uh, What Paul's summary statement is, he comes forth in Romans. What is the gospel? It is the very power of God unto salvation for all who believe. What is it to believe? It's to suffer faith. It's to be loved. That's our working definition of faith is being loved by God, Um, uh, which is not our work so that no one may boast. He comes back there again. Where is your boasting then? And it leaves it open to say like, it's nowhere, Lord. I have have nothing to boast about. The only thing I have to stand on, the only foundation I have, is your coming to me and my suffering and receiving your love. My Christian life is never a self-made life. There is no such thing as a self-made Christian. Um, That is an incongruency. That is an oxymoron to the highest example. Uh, uh, I receive and suffer God's love, and that is faith. And that's what we're going to really center on here in the second half of of Romans 3 as we go into uh, Romans 4 using the example of Abraham, who believed could say, who was faithed, who suffered God, and God's work on him, uh, which was not his work so that he wouldn't be able to boast, he believed, and it was counted to him, it was credited to him, it was accounted to him as righteousness, which is what we looked at last week. So so that's where we're going, that's why I'm standing on the precipice wondering what I'm going to talk about. Um, but before we read, I thought we'd break this up a little bit, um, uh, just to go back, and I'll read the beginning of... Uh, all right of Romans 1 compare and contrast a little bit of Romans 2 which is in the back side of your handout and then that'll put us in a good position to hopefully not just hear but feel a little bit of the weight of the beginning of Romans 3.21 when Paul <clears throat> erupts in a but now I really want to sort of let us you know as, as dramatically as I can do it um, as you know for whatever that's worth uh, to let the word do the work and to see what it's what effect the word is having on us, if we can be drawn to a place, even in a tiny amount, where we feel the weight of the shift of but now, and we'll feel those two timelines that Paul is trying to uh, to draw for us. Then I'll I'll think, well, maybe maybe the Lord did something in this uh, this humble offering. So Romans one, this isn't in front of you, but just remember these words. Uh, Paul's thesis statement, as it's often called, for the book of Romans, um, verses 16 and 17, read Luther's uh, description last week of, as he looked back towards the end of his life, he had about 18 months to live when he wrote it, saying, if I had to describe my breakthrough, what was reformational about the Reformation, uh, it was in these words where, as I said, you know, always attracted to Luther. He's just, you know, thanks be to God, um, the one that's... Anyway, that's, that's not about Luther, this is about Romans. Uh, when he beat on Romans, beat on Paul, to try to get out of Paul what he knew God was promising, but he couldn't see it. And night and day, he beat and he beat and he beat. This old phrase, you know, beating in the darkness until it bleeds daylight, something like that. He beat upon Paul until it could come out. And these were the words where he knocked and he knocked and he knocked and he knocked and he knocked. And he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul does, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the gospel, which is the power of God, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And to go back a little bit, because each week we're going to try to go back a little bit as we go forward. So there's just definite plan repetition here. Um, for in it, the gospel is revealed um, from faith, which is the beginning, to faith, which is the end of our life. And so whatever the gospel is, the power of God unto salvation, it's there at the beginning when it gives faith, and it's there at the end when faith is what brings you all the way through. There's no difference in that sense of what brings you through the Christian life. It's not faith and Um, somehow the synergy that i bring to it in my flesh um, of uh, what brings me forward a little bit further i continue to suffer the uh, the work of god on me and my flesh from the beginning and end of my life the christian life is always to receive the christian life is the receptive life for in it the righteousness of god is revealed so it was hidden It wasn't there. It wasn't known. It wasn't what four out of five dentists automatically understood and and agreed upon. It was there, but you didn't see it. But now we're going to hear that weight of the word in 321. It's revealed. So Paul's setting that up. For in it, the righteousness of God revealed from faith for faith. For as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Better translation. For by faith, the righteous one shall live. For by faith, the one who is righteous shall live. So that faith is not this last work of, um, you know, uh, the righteous shall live by faith. And it sort of boils down, you know, the analogy there is usually, you know, you're about to drown or whatever else. Um, I don't know why we always go there, but I do too. And so we're out there, you know, um, the, the waves are crashing on us and, and, and it, it all is lost. And we are, almost, we are almost done for. But there it is the Coast Guard helicopter and down comes the rope and you are at your last end and you're going up and down and water's coming in and you're coughing and sputtering. And somehow you reach up and you grab the rope and he pulls you to safety. And you get up there and the first thing you say is, did you see how I grabbed that rope? Oh my gosh, that was such a great thing. I just, you know, if nobody else could have done what I did to say that, that's not what faith is. Nor is it the other way around, getting up into the helicopter and saying like, thank you for coming. If you wouldn't have been here, uh, I surely would have been gone for. And you lowered the rope, and I grabbed onto it. And and I knew it was all you, and I had just that little bit to do of making sure I grabbed the rope. Even that doesn't go far enough when you're talking about whatever this faith is. And that's what we got to do. We're really getting down to sort of the, the basics and a lot of vocabulary when you're in Romans because there's... What is it to be righteous? Um, what is faith? What is the righteousness of God? Um, all these words that we're trying to, 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 to find a new way to understand them. Um, if faith isn't, wow, look what I did, or even you did it all, and I did just this little smidge to sort of pull myself into the raft or into the helicopter, then what is it? It's something much more like, uh, I was out there on the raft. Um, the winds came, the rain beat down, the waves crashed over me, and I was dead and dead. All the way, 20,000 leagues under the sea, uh, and I was a goner. I have no memory of it, because what, what does a dead man have? No memory, no volition, no, no potency, no agency, nothing. Dead man can't do anything. Can't lift him out. You know, Maybe he can float on the sea. He has no control there. And then something happens where now, like it did at the very beginning, when I was made from dust, the lips of God clasp onto my lips, and the breath of God blows in. And now, like in Ezekiel, bone to bone, and flesh upon flesh, you know, there I am, a new creature, not born from flesh, not born from the will of man, but simply by God. That is suffering God's work, a resurrection work, not even a rescue, a resurrection. So something like that, is what Paul wants to emphasize, and um, and for the rest of the book, you know, the argument will be, you know, he'll want to sort of go down corners and say, well, what about in this situation? And he's going to close that door. What about in this situation? He's going to close that door. What about in this situation? He's going to close that door. Um, that's what he's laying out here in the first two verses, uh, in 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 those two verses in Romans one, sixteen and seventeen. So then we looked at that, and we went to. Um, to chapter two last week, and if you're reading along at home, which I certainly encourage you to do, like I said, we're going to be looking at larger passages and really kind of getting a theology from Romans more than a exposition of Romans. But I hope you, you know, go back and beat on the words like Luther did, and uh, and say, you know, I get a glimpse of what Gill's talking about, but you know, show me, Lord, you know, do that, you know, go back with your cup of coffee and and uh, and bang on Paul. Uh, like Luther did, and see what happens. You know, what an amazing thing that might be. Because then in Romans 2, Paul's going to show that we all alike are under sin, Romans 2 and 3, um, that we know from something vaguely of knowing about God to then moving to a place of idolatry. We didn't really go into this closely, but but that's okay. Which uh, from idolatry leads to immorality, where each of us are given over to our passions and to our lusts. And then that leads to a day of wrath and rightful judgment. Um, that's Paul's progression from the latter half of Romans 1 through Romans 3. Going back and forth, and that's what I want to sort of bring in a compare and contrast. Now these two timelines, i got lots of notes. Let me, let me sort my paper real fast. Um, uh, contrasting Romans 2 and an ordinary righteousness. We looked at that with a guy named Stephen Westerholm last week. Um, where we just ask, what is what is it to be righteous? Remember, righteous and justice have the same, uh, those are the same words in English that we often will uh, will translate from the words that, that are there in the in the Greek and later translate into the Latin. And so when you think about justify, that could be made declared righteous for the righteousness of God. It could also be the justice of God or one or uh, the righteous could be called the just. And so all those those nouns are basically interchangeable or the verbs that come from those nouns and so you know ordinarily you know because we don't have to overthink this um one is declared righteous or one you would have a sense of being righteous because they do the right things you don't have to get too sophisticated in trying to think about this um and a judge is doing his or her work when he says i've i've evaluated i've made a judgment i've uh I've compared and contrasted, and I've put the things on the scales, and I see now this person is declared acceptable or good or right. Um, And somebody that doesn't do the right things um, is declared not good, not acceptable, not right. And that's kind of all it is. But uh, ordinary righteousness leaves us in a big boat. If the law of God, which is good, right, and holy only increases the trespass. And that's going to be things that Paul unfolds as we go through Romans. Um, for the law leads to wrath and a judgment and evaluation, et cetera. You'll have to agree with him, but you've got to at least deal with Paul uh, here and beat on him and say, like, I don't think that's true. Um, you, you certainly are right to say that. You know? Argue with Paul. You know, I'm going to try to do my best to kind of bring Paul to you, but that's what he wants to argue. Um, uh, and here in Romans 2, verse 4 following, is a great contrast which is going to lead us to, uh, to our text that begins today with Romans 3, 21. And so going back, and this is on the back side of your, your handout, um, and I highlighted uh, some of the verbs. So let me see if I can do this. I was thinking about that this morning. I don't know if I'm going to do it. So from here to the TV, we're thinking about a timeline. You know, right now in the chronology of tick, 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 what is it, 10... 24, something like that, 1026. Um, right now, I'm standing here, and that's the future. So that's 1045. You know, Lord willing, we'll be getting out of this place. Um, so in between that is the timeline. So that's Paul. Ordinary righteousness is going to say, Here I am, and over there is going to be a judgment. And this period in between there is Paul is going to describe as a period of patience, God's patience and kindness and his kindness is meant to lead us to repentance but meanwhile as we're going through there and doing as we're given over to to our lust and passions and doing the wrong thing because that's what unrighteousness is is knowing what you're supposed to do and not doing it or not knowing what you're supposed to do and doing it anyway whatever it is it doesn't matter you know ignorance is not an excuse if you do the unrighteous if you act unrighteously you will be declared unrighteous and you are storing up wrath this is going to be Paul's language. So let's read what he says in Romans 2. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So in this period of kindness, God is, in Romans, ordinary righteousness, as Paul is describing it here, is intended to be um, pay attention. What are you doing? Stop it. <laughs> what are you doing? Do you not see that God is knocking at your door and trying to turn you to him? This is his kindness and forbearance. He is not uh, zapping you. He's forbearing. And he's, but you're storing up wrath. You know That's what he's trying to lead here. Uh, but because of your hardened, and impenitent heart. So please listen to me. Your hardened, and impenitent heart is preventing God from doing what he wants to do. You are storing up wrath for yourself. And on the day of wrath, over there by the TV, uh, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed, He will render to each one according to His works. Mark it, He will. And He's going to say here, you know, sort of a flow chart. If you do this, then good. If you do this, then bad. Um, To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immorality, He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, There will be, future tense, over there by the TV, wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But there will be glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. For all all who have sinned without the law will also perish, still future tense, without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged, future tense, Um, and then skipping down to 16. And on that day when, over there, uh, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So that's in Romans 2. So it goes through Romans 3. It gets worse. He just draws the the line tighter and tighter and tighter. As we looked at last week, by the time you get to Romans 3.20, you are, let's read it, Uh, 3:19. After that great litany, none is righteous, no, not one. The venom venom of asps is on their lips. There is no fear of God before their eyes, mostly from the Psalms. And then Paul picks it up and says, Now we know, so we're here standing right in front of the TV, coming really close. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And so, hopefully, we are just drawn out and saying, what's the next word? Because a lot of us know this book pretty well. So Romans 12, 1 will mean something to some of us where at the end of a doxology in Romans 11, you know the next words out of Paul are, therefore, in view of God's mercy, um, uh, count yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleat. You know. If it's something like that where it says, therefore, in view of this... Um, get busy, or therefore, uh, because of all this, <laughs> you're in a really bad way. Um, it's going to just kill us. We need another word. Warming up a little bit, thinking about a Christmas class that we're going to do the Sunday before Christmas. W.H. Auden's fantastic little couplet, um, which I'll probably look at. Some of us who are in Israel, we, we followed this. Um, we who must die, and that's what Romans 3, 2 and, 2 and 3 are pulling out, our, the, the wages of sin, which the law has told us that's all we have, is death. Dead and dead and dead. Not grabbing the life raft or anything else like that. We, we are toast. We are on the bottom. See, again, it's an 80s movie. Everything is, is, uh, is lost. Uh, unless the next word is something else. Um, unless the next word can somehow be a righteousness from heaven, the language of 118, uh, the righteousness from heaven, which will be revealed, which will be different, not just in order, not just in uh, in category, but wholly other, something that is absolutely not the same thing as it was. I forgot the way I wanted to just kind of at least touch on in every, uh, every class. We'll see if this happens. The principle of extension, that we will take what is good and extend it to God and say, well, look, if human capacity to create things like, you know, that's beautiful or, or unbelievable, you know, the Great Wall of China or the, you know, uh, wonders of architecture, Raphael's art or anything else like that, whatever is good that we can do must be just an approximation, like a shadow of the real thing. And if you extend that out, that must be what God is. Understand why we do that. I won't say it's wrong in every single sense, but be very careful when we want to extend what we know is good and try to put that out onto God. Um, We're not very good evaluators. Um, We will tend to call what is good bad and what is bad good, which is why usually around Easter, people rightfully will ask, why do we call Good Friday good? Isn't that a bad day? Um, Same idea there. That no, 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 we would call it, and certainly everybody standing here at the cross said, Jesus is having a really, really bad day. You know, handed over to, to, uh, uh, to, be, to be scourged, spit upon, um, and crucified, and dead and dead, and buried. Not a good day. And yet we've come to call it Good Friday. Because we don't call things what are good. The power of God, the power of human, is not an approximation of the power of God. Um, the wisdom of men doesn't sort of give a foreta- shape, fore, fore, foreshadow or a foretaste of how, how, how smart, how wise, how, uh, how ordered God is. What we call powerful um, is not what God calls powerful. And so that principle of extension is always going to be challenged here. Uh, so coming back to our text, um, Romans 3, 20 which leaves us um, hanging on for life by the works of the law, by works of anything which measure how we're doing, who I am and how I am, uh, no human being will be justified. Remember, just breaking that word down to a really, really simple way. will be declared, okay, you know, pass under my right hand and welcome good and faithful servant. I have declared you acceptable and okay in and of ourselves, by a work of the law, by a measure, by a plumb line. We're never going to make it, um, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now, so a second timeline. If this is me standing towards the day of judgment and wrath, um, the day when all things will be revealed, look at how subtly, but how clearly, Paul changes his language, his verb tense, in Romans 3, 21 following. Um, And so now we can come back to whether it's on the back or the front. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested. Paul now starts to look over his shoulder, backwards, backwards in time. Um, Not forward to the TV, but backwards towards the door. Apart from the law, although the law and the prophets, in other words, the Bible, as Paul knew it, the rest of the Scripture, bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You could say that even more simply. There is no distinction. There's a denominator of one. Everybody has sinned and lack God's glory. That's all that means. Denominator of one. There's not, you know, them and me, you know, male and female, righteous and un- All have sinned uh, and lack God's glory. Um, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is ours in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. Let me hit pause and break that down. Remember what we're looking forward to here? The revelation of the wrath of God against all unrighteousness. That's Romans one eighteen. Um, the day is coming when God is going to reveal his, uh, how He's going to deal with unrighteousness. <coughs> It's going to be wrath and fury and tribulation and distress for all those who were declared not acceptable by God. And now he's calling it in the past tense. Most of us don't know the word propitiation, probably. No, if you hang around, you would. Walter Little in the room. Who remembers Walter? Yeah, several of y'all. I asked Walter, I'm going to cry a little bit because I just love that man. I asked Walter we're standing right there having coffee Walter what's the most important word I don't know why I said this but I'm so glad I did what's the most important word to you and all of Paul he's like Gil and he had a tie that came to right here if you knew him (laughs) you know he's like I'm so it's got to be Helisterion it's got to be right you know hardly used but that's the word here propitiation and I said tell me more and he just talked for like 20 minutes and I knew it and I was just nodding I was like yes Walter just pour it in my ear what is a propitiation it's the specifically the blood offering uh, back in like Leviticus and Deuteronomy that you would take from the altar and you would sprinkle it on the uh, the cover on the Ark of the Covenant, and that would be symbolizing that the that Israel, the gathered people of God, have now been cleansed by this sacrifice, and that that seat, that covering, the lid that you put on top of the box in which the, you know, some manna was kept and in the, in the, in the, in the scroll, the, the, the tablets, the Ten Commandments, the Ark of the Covenant, um, the, 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 the lid on there was, came to be known as the mercy seat, and that's the propitiation, the hilasterion was that. And Paul's now taking that and unfolding it before us to say that day of wrath and judgment which made the gathered people of God okay to God has now been revealed in the past tense. It's already happened somewhere back there in the day of redemption when Christ Jesus died for you. And redemption, just keep playing out the words because this is just... When you do Romans, you're really doing vocabulary 101. Okay, let me get straight again what all these things are. When you hear the word redemption, always think "I'm I'm in the slave market. It's a difficult word to swallow, but it's true. I'm in the slave market, and Paul's going to go right there in Romans six. You're either a slave of a of of the devil, of the flesh, and of the world, or you're a slave of Christ, a doulos Christus. Um, uh, Redemption is the the money, the payment exchange, the, the money that is given to exchange ownership. Um, Ransom, redemption, um, payment exchange. You are not your own. You're bought with a price, as Paul will say twice in 1 Corinthians. That's the world of redemption. So right here, reading it again. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested, has been shown, is now on display. Past tense, right here into the present. Apart from the law, that external word, I went off, W.H. Auden. We who must die demand a miracle. That's um, Auden's, uh, uh, from, or Auden's Christmas oratorio. Uh, the law whose wages are death. We who must die, we have no choice. This is all we have in front of us. In our flesh, in our members, as Paul is going to call it, in our, uh, in our arms, in our legs, in our fingernails, in our hair, in our lungs, in our breath. Um, all I have is death. We who must die, we demand a miracle. Because nothing else, nothing that is possible, he says, will save us. Here's the impossibility made flesh and come to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. Uh, the righteousness of God manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. That's Genesis through Malachi. Malachi. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction. All have sinned and lack the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, the hilasterion, by His blood to be received, suffered by faith. This was to show, to display God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, that was the word we heard in two six. I think it was. Remember, he's waiting this time of patience and kindness and forbearance. Now it's in past tense. Because that period of forbearance where God waited, he had passed over. And that's um, the full and complete action of God, where now all the sin that has been committed has now been passed over. Just like the angel of death in Exodus passes over the lentils where blood is placed upon by the blood of the redeeming work of Christ. All of those sins, once fully and completely passed over, the sins that I have committed, I am committing, and I will commit, and not mine only, but the sins of the whole world. This is all Paul. Um, Passed over former sins. It was to show, to display, to make known, to be manifest, the righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier, the one who says, okay, okay, acceptable come you know welcome uh and 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 have a seat at my heavenly banquet um so that he might be the just and justifier of the one who has faith in jesus so let me hit pause tons there dense 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 pulls in so much of the old testament um with all the allusions comments feedback we can see where we want to go from here as we uh we knock on the door romans 4 and set us up where we're going to go next week yeah. I wish Walter were here. You know, he was in one of the photos there. And David, you, you know, let you talk. Um crow is four. Yep. He put the blood on the... Yep. Yep. So, you know, a propitiation, and it's not purely a Christian word. Paul takes it and holds it here. Um, you could say, you know, like in Joe versus the Volcano, that, that otherwise forgettable Meg Ryan movie, uh, you know, Propitiating the angry god of the island by taking a woman, a virgin, and throwing her into the volcano. That's a propitiation. Somebody who is for us uh, that will appease the angry gods. You know, so this is Greek mythology. It's Joe versus the volcano. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's what we all know. That if I do something wrong, somebody has to pay for it. Whether that's me or somebody on my behalf a propitiation for to 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 appease um, uh, reasonable wrath yes there has been an infraction and a transgression something is not right it is not good now um, after the apple has been at uh, and so something has to be given, and that's what's given it is a blood offering the propitiation for our sins and it's, it's and people stop here and they say time out That's Christianity? Is sort of appeasing the angry God like throwing a virgin in the volcano? No. But yes. I mean, there's an element of that there. I mean, of like God's wrath is real. The gospel pronounces it has been poured out and it's now fully and completely, um, what's Cramner's words that we hear every every other Sunday in the communion service? The full... Perfect sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction. And not for my sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Back there, on the cross, and not ahead of us, waiting for the day of judgment. Um, That's going to be unfolded completely. This is where I want to go next week. Not completely, significantly, in Romans 4, where we're going to look at the difference between Mm -hmm. uh, what now we sometimes call imputation, rather than infusion, we're going to do a little bit of theology and kind of the history of theology, um, which is to say, is God's righteousness infused in us like a blood infusion where now it's like thrown into my veins and the, um, the new blood, as it were, is now infused in me and is, is curing the old infection, as the third in articles will call it. And now the original sin, that, that blood that was in me, in my flesh, is now, um, if there's an infused righteousness, I've got Christ's divinity. God's very nature in my blood, in my members? Is that what we mean? Or is it something else when Paul... And it's going to be something else, not to surprise anybody. When it's counted as, counted as, counted as, counted as. also called reckoned or accounted or um, worded is going to be the word. And I've taught on this many times. Uh, The word was made flesh and dwells among us. Logos. Um, uh, When Christ is counted, it's... um, uh, as our righteousness, Christ is worded to us. It's going to be the past tense of a verb, uh, where the creative word of God does something to us, uh, and it and it doesn't just like a fiction say, "I know who He is, but now I'm going to pretend He's somebody else." That's not it. It's going to be something else. So infusion versus imputation is we're going next week, and and I do want to say it's not purely in the head. Oh, that's fun for me, pastorally makes all the difference in the world, and I'm gonna to try to set it up where uh, why that matters. Um, the two different words that come out of somebody's mouth. When you have a need, when somebody you love has died, uh, or you yourself are at the end of your rope, the difference between this and that, to my way of thinking, is the East from the West. Um, anything else? Anything else? You know propitiation, Dave. Um, you knew Walter Little very, very well. Anything else you'd unfold about propitiation? Then? Uh, Deuteronomy 32. So, 32 and Genesis 11. With that, I'll pray. Um, Romans 4, and we'll bleed over into 5, is really the answer to the question, how does Paul read the Bible? So if that's a hook for you, that's Romans 4. So let me pray. Lord, again, humbly I ask that... Uh, Uh, Your work would be done in your way. Um, Standing in front of these words is just uh, awe inspiring, Lord. Let um, uh, humble me, correct me where I was wrong, but simply let your gospel go forth and deliver us um, uh, that the day of wrath is now in arrears. We need fear no death in front of us. Um, Let us enjoy the service, which is perfect freedom. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.